Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really, really, really glad that you're here. Welcome those of you over in East Hall and those of you tuning in. Uh, welcome. All right, I have some stories uh, for you. Uh, some great stories. Uh, if you're new, uh, we have a tradition here at CCC uh, where uh, we do something during the month of December. We try to own the month of December. We try to blanket this area with 10,000 acts of kindness and generosity. And we hand people a card that says, just because, and we invite them to tell their story online. And they do, and the, the stories are flooding in, and I get to pick a few stories each weekend to share with you. And I have stories for this weekend. I already have stories for next weekend, and uh, maybe a couple for Christmas Eve. All right, here are the stories for today. This is from M in Cogga Falls. I love this time of year, giving gifts and baking cookies for neighbors and friends, peppermint mochas, Christmas decor, Christmas parties, and gatherings. But it all adds up, and I have felt as though I've gotten caught up in a whirlwind. That was until I recently got pulled over for speeding. I was driving with my two young children up Route 8, Christmas tunes on, the kids requesting I turn it up, demanding more Cheerios, or wanting me to reach back and search for the lost Matchbox car. I very clearly remember thinking at that moment, my head just won't slow down in all this craziness, and that's when it stopped me. Those flashing lights that forced me to slow down and pull over. I didn't even know I was speeding, and in my defense, word on the street was there was a speed trap right there. <laughs> Unfortunately, the waterworks didn't start until the cop had retrieved my information and was on his way to deliver my ticket. What crushed me the most was not that I got caught, but that I basically thrown part of our Christmas budget down the drain. We keep a very tight budget, as we are still paying off student loans and have a, had a series of unexpected medical bills over the past year. How foolish of me. But I think it's clear <clears throat> it was God who wanted me to slow down. With most of our Christmas shopping <clears throat> excuse me, done and having found small ways to bless a few other families already, our well was looking pretty dry. But my mom had recently come to me with a concern about a family she knew was in need. At first, I was a bit stressed as we had very little to give, but I returned a few clothing items. Listen to what she does. But I returned a few clothing items I'd bought for my son since I had found a bag of clothes in the basement that were just his size I'd forgotten about. God's provision right there. We went through both kids' drawers and toys to see what we could find to take to the resale shop, and slowly our giving fund has begun to grow. But then today, I received an anonymous Christmas card. As I opened it, a just-because card fell to the floor. My knees should have followed. There was $150 in it. God is so good. Do you see it? He has made it clear. He sees the desires of our hearts. He has met me here in my brokenness, in my craziness, with a gift beyond what we truly deserve. Thank you, whoever sent this. Thank you for giving us this undeserved gift of grace that we can now bless someone else. How cool is that? Yeah. I love that there are people like that in our church. I love that you are like that right here. All right, this is from Christine in Cleveland. She says, as a single mom for 14 years, I work two jobs trying to provide the best I can for my family. I'm grateful for my jobs and blessed being able to work. Yes, it's exhausting, but teaching my family values is more important. Today I opened the mail. To my surprise, I received a $200 gift card. I cannot thank you enough. You are an angel. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I will pay it forward. Thank you for reminding me of the good on this earth. 
I believe. That's what she says. Last one, Chrissy from Ravenna. While shopping with my daughter and grandson, a gentleman approached me and asked if he could help with our groceries. I asked what church he was from, and he handed me a Just Because card. I shared that I attend CCC as well and was overwhelmed by his generosity to help a stranger. Just experiencing God's work is an amazing feeling to be part of this movement and know that there are people that want to share God's word with others is unbelievable. Thank you, Andy, from the Hudson CCC. We talked as a family about the experience and forwarded your gift on to a family that needs some love as well. It was a pleasure meeting you. The hug was all I needed. All right, love that. She uh, mentioned, Christine mentioned that it was a movement. And I told you a couple weeks ago, there's a church in Indiana that's doing it. There's a church in Florida that's doing it. There's a church in St. Louis that is doing it. And then we got word this week that our sister church in Rome, Italy, has decided to do it. This is their card. How cool is that? Yeah. So we have gone international. Very cool. But thanks. Grab some cards. Have a blast. A little more than a week left. All right. This is the last uh, sermon series of the year. And our year has had the theme transformed 2018. And the hope was that we would change throughout the year, that we would be different. And now we're finishing with this Christmas series that we're calling The Night When Everything Changed. The Night When Everything Changed. And we're focusing on the birth of Jesus. And like any great event, uh, there's all kinds of fallout, like sub-stories, like people playing bit parts that are crazy important to them, but just part of this overarching story. If you were here for the Christmas concert here at the Hudson campus, you heard Todd Ionetta uh, say that his grandfather had a, a cameo appearance in the movie A Christmas Story because it was filmed here in Cleveland. And if they uh, pause the movie right at the right spot, they get to see their grandfather's face, which is wildly important to them. But the movie wasn't about their grandfather, right? That's the way it is with you and, and me. We have these, these bit parts, these cameos, but the, the story of our world is about Jesus. But the most amazing thing, though, is that Jesus invites us to be part of his story. So we're spending these weeks leading up to Christmas looking at some of these sub-stories. Last week, we looked at Mary and Joseph. This week, we're going to look at the shepherds, and I'm calling this message, No More Fear. No More Fear. But when we look at the sub-stories, you ought to be asking the question, why? Right? Why shepherds? Why wise men? Why angels? Why no room at the end? Because every detail is important. There are no throwaway stories, not in this story. And some of the, the answers to the why question are easier than others. Like, why shepherds? Why wise men? The range between shepherds and wise men is enormous. Right? The wise men from Chaldea were educated. They were the scientists of their time. They studied the ancient scriptures. They studied the stars. They were men of means. They carried with them treasure. And in the ancient world, whenever you carried treasure, you went with protection. So they came with a caravan. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, they had a, a like impromptu audience with King Herod because they were men of such import. The shepherds are on the totally different end of the spectrum. They're common men, uneducated, probably illiterate. They, were, they worked hard, but they were also hard 
men whose hands were full of calluses, whose faces were, were burnt and creased by sun and wind, and they never, ever thought they would have an audience with King Herod. But the first two groups to know that Emmanuel had come, that God had come in human flesh for them, were these two groups. I always think it's interesting that one of the knocks against Christianity is that it's exclusive because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But Christianity is the most inclusive religion the world has ever seen, and it started that way. Because what Christianity says is this, it doesn't matter where you are on this spectrum, educated, uneducated, rich or poor, religious or irreligious, Jew or Gentile, he has come for you. So that means whoever you are, wherever you have come from, Jesus came for you. A Savior has been born for you. All right, let me read the story of the shepherds. This is Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 8 through 14. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. This is God's word. And it's true. <clears throat> you know, whenever I read Luke 2 out loud, I'm I can't help but think of Linus, you know, in uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas special. But he comes out onto the stage all alone, you know, and he's dragging his blanket. And he quotes Luke chapter 2, and it seems so sentimental. But this is not a sentimental story. This is a story about fear. A story about gut-wrenching fight or flight terror. The word that Luke uses in Greek is phobio, where we get the word phobia phobia from. But Luke uses it twice. He doubles down on the word, which is the way the Greek maxes out a word. He says they were phobophobos. They were afraid, afraid. What Luke says is they were as afraid as a human being can possibly be. Phobophobos. Three questions. Where did their fear come from? What made their fear go away? And how did their fear turn into peace and joy? Where did their fear come from? What made it go away? And how did it turn from fear to peace and joy? Okay, first, where did their fear come from? Everyone's afraid of something, right? And we all deal with our fear in different ways, even if it's to act like we're not afraid. The shepherds, what made them afraid? Wait, better question. Where does any of our fear come from? Why are any of us afraid ever? Why is fear part of the human experience? And according to Scripture, the first time that fear entered into our world was Genesis chapter 3. 
In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are living in paradise. They have everything they need. They have everything that a human being could possibly want. Right? And there was just one move on this huge checkerboard of the world. There was one move they could make to mess everything up. And that was to try to get more than they could ever want or need by jumping over God and saying, King me. King me. I want to be in charge. And that's what they did. And then something unexpected happened to Adam and Eve. They experienced something they had never felt before. Fear. Fear. This is the way Genesis describes it. Verse 8 of chapter 3, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid. That's the story of how fear entered into our world, and Adam and Eve wrapped themselves up and hid from God, and we've been wrapping ourselves up and hiding ever since from the things that make us afraid. But every fear you have ever experienced started here with a separation from God when you began to be on your own, and you were separated from this source of all strength, all power, all goodness. You were separated from this intimate relationship with God. That's why um, so many of our fears we share with everyone else. You know that? I'll name five fears right now that you probably share with the people that are sitting around you. First fear, fear of rejection. It's a basic human fear that we're afraid that if anybody really knew us, knew everything about us, they would reject us. It's not just that they, they wouldn't love us. People probably wouldn't even like us. It's a fear of rejection. It's a fear of failure. Right? In the first Rocky movie, Sylvester Stallone, right before the big fight with Apollo Creed, he's laying on his bed that night. He can't sleep. And he says to Adrian, maybe more to himself, he says, you know, I just want to go to the distance, you know, to prove that I'm not a bum. Why do we work so hard? Why are we so driven. I think all of us, in one way or another, are trying to prove to somebody, maybe just ourselves, that we are not bums. There's a fear of failure. There's a fear of being alone. Every human being has a fear of being alone, which is why solitary confinement is still one of the worst punishments you can ever give a human being. It's also why we don't go five minutes without checking our phone, without turning on a radio, without watching TV or getting on our computer or reading a book, because five minutes of silence is almost unbearable for us, because it reminds us that we are alone. There's a fear of loss, that all of us have this nagging feeling that everything that we really love and care about, we could possibly lose in a moment. And then there's fear of death, the ultimate loss of everything. Every fear you have ever experienced began with a separation from God. So the shepherds are out in this field, and they're keeping watch over sheep, and then all of a sudden the glory of the Lord 
shined around them. And things became too bright, too loud, too heavy. If anything can cut through what we wrap ourselves in and expose our fear, it's the glory of God. Because the shepherds who had lived their life as if they were in charge of their lives, had lived their life as if God did not exist, very much like the way you live your life and the way I've lived my life. They came face to face with the triune God, the God of the universe, and they were phobiophobos. They were afraid, afraid. That's where their fear came from. Now the question is, what made their fear go away? What made their fear go away? There's a basic rule about fear, and the, the rule about fear is this. Big fear swallows up little fear. Right? Big fear wipes out little fear. Let's, for instance, if, if you're afraid of spiders and you're watching TV and you see a little spider on the wall and you, you're afraid, right? But before you can take off your shoe and throw it at the spider or empty a can of Raid on that little guy, whatever you're going to do, you hear a window break and some burglars enter into your house with masks and guns, you are no longer afraid of the spider because a big fear has swallowed up the little fear. Whatever those shepherds were worried about, whatever they were afraid of earlier that evening, afraid of not making a mortgage payment, afraid of a nagging cough or a lump that they felt, afraid of a sick child or being alone or their spouse leaving them, whatever they were afraid of all of a sudden went away because the glory of the Lord shone around them and the, the greater fear swallowed up the smaller fear. This is what Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus says this, verse 28, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You hear that? Jesus said that. Jesus says, oh, don't, don't be afraid. If burglars, if burglars break into your house with masks and guns and you are really, really afraid because they could kill you, there's a greater fear than that that will swallow up that fear. And that's the fear of the one who can cast both body and soul into hell. What the shepherds got that night was something they had never seen before. They saw what was coming. They saw what was coming. Because when the glory of God shines on you, you are conscious of every sin you have ever committed against this holy God. And every other fear was swallowed up in that rattling, that soul-rattling fear that they had come into the presence of God. And a lot of people will say, no, no, no. God is a God of love. God is like a big cotton ball. Not the God of the Bible. You should read it. And every time the glory of God hits a human being, the response is the same. Phobiophobos. They scream. Their mouths drop open. They hit the ground. They beg for mercy. Why? Because pure goodness is absolutely terrifying to a human being. You know, people think uh, if you're asleep at night in your bedroom and Satan comes into your room, into your bedroom, you would be afraid. And you're right, you would be afraid. But you would be more afraid if God came into your bedroom. You know why? Because pure holiness is more lethal to a human being than pure evil. Unless, 
unless you have a Savior. Which is why the angel says what the angel says. Because the angel says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel doesn't say, oh, fear not, you're not that bad. The angel doesn't say, oh, fear not, he comes on strong at first, but he's really a very, very, very nice guy, right? The angel says, fear not, I know you are as frightened as a human being can possibly be. You don't have to be anymore. Because unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And when the angel says, I have good news, that word is what we call the gospel. What the angel says is this good news is that you have a Savior and a Lord. Like Jesus doesn't come to be your Savior so that you can continue to, to jump over God and say, King me, I'll still be in charge of my life. Jesus comes as both Savior and Lord because a, a sa you need a Savior to take care of the fears of what has happened in your past. But you need a Lord to take care of the fears that await you in the future. And Jesus says, I have come to be both. That's the gospel. And the gospel has the power to actually swallow up every fear you have. Every single fear. The five that we mentioned, fear of rejection. One of the things that we say about the gospel around here all the time is that the gospel means this, even though you're more deeply flawed than you've ever wanted to admit to anyone, even yourself, because of what God has done through Jesus, you're more deeply loved than you've ever dared to dream. You no longer, no longer have to fear rejection. Fear of failure? You're no longer judged on your performance, but you have switched places with Jesus, and you are now given his record of righteousness. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Fear of being alone? Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You will never, ever be alone again. Fear of loss? Jesus says, one day I will restore all things. Every single thing you have lost, I will restore. Fear of death? 1 Corinthians 15 says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gospel has the power to swallow up every single fear you have ever had, every single fear you have right now. So that's where their fear comes from. That's how their fear goes away. Now the question is, how does their fear turn into peace and joy? Uh, I think it's interesting that this story doesn't end at verse 14. The story doesn't end with relief, which is the way I would think the story would end. That when the, the shouting stopped, when the, whatever the angels were doing stopped, and their ears quit ringing, and the brightness finally faded, and the night returned to normal, that they would just go, whoa, what was that? But the night doesn't end with relief. It goes on, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, 
they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This story that starts out with terror, with bone-rattling fear, ends with praise and worship and probably laughter and great joy. Why? Well, a couple of things. First, the shepherds believed the angels. The shepherds believed the gospel. They believed that there was good news even for them. And so they, they went, and it says they, they believed them, and then they go, and then they find Jesus. Probably the most important verse in this whole sub-story is verse 16, when it says, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They found Jesus. You know, I, I started this message uh, wanting to answer three questions about the shepherds, right? Where did their fear come from? What made it go away? And how did their fear turn from fear into peace and joy? I want to end by asking you some questions. First, what are you afraid of? What fear do you wrestle with right now? Maybe a better question is what should you be afraid of? Right? Because your fear has to be connected somehow to the separation from God or to the gospel. So what should you be afraid of? The next question is this. Do you believe the angel? Do you believe the gospel? That Jesus has come for you, even for you. That a Savior was born for you, who is Christ the Lord. Do you believe that? And finally, have you found Jesus? Have you found him? Because it's not enough just to hear the stories at Christmas time, and it's not enough even to believe. At some point, you have to find him, which in the Bible means that you go to him and you say, Jesus, I believe. I believe the story. I believe the gospel. I believe that you came for me, died for me, rose again for me. Will you be my Savior? Will you be my Lord? And what Scripture says then, when you do that, is the moment that the birth of Jesus becomes the night when everything changes for you because you will have a Lord and you will have a Savior. So, transformed. In 2018, no more fear. Whatever you are afraid of can be swallowed up by the gospel, by this good news, that a Savior has been born for you, even you, even you. And let your fear be turned from fear into peace and joy, even today. Let's pray. God in heaven, uh, we come to you. And I, uh, I think it's 
It's interesting for me to look at my own life and to think of what I am afraid of and then go back to what you have done for us in sending Jesus. And that uh, that deep fear, the, the really big fear of fearing separation from you has been taken care of, which means that every other fear can be swallowed up with the gospel. I pray for the people right now here that have never given their lives to you. I pray that they would right now. I pray that they will find Jesus. I pray for those of us who know Jesus and who are struggling with fear in one way or another, that you will swallow that fear with your good news. Thanks for sending us a Savior. Thanks for your love. Thanks for your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.